0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I am so, so excited about today's episode for you. I am talking to somebody that recently became on my radar because of a new book she has out. Ginger Sprouse is my guest and she wrote the book Kinda Like Grace. The book is a vulnerable look at her life journey from becoming a young mom to enjoying the early motherhood years to then starting to look outside and think, is the grass really greener outside of my family? And unfortunately, she made some decisions that really changed the course of her motherhood and ended in divorce for her family, and it was a really hard trial in her life. But several years later, after working really hard to make changes in her life, to find God, and to develop a meaningful relationship with Him, she then made a life-changing decision to speak with a homeless man on a corner that she had driven by several other times and never stopped to say hello. Meeting Victor that day changed everything for her, and she went on to really impact his life in immeasurable ways. So today she's sharing about her new book, why she stopped to talk with that homeless man on the corner, what her relationship is like with him today, and what she's learned about reaching out to others and doing things that sometimes make us uncomfortable, but are really based on the promptings of God to do the things that He really wants you to do and how that has changed her life forever. So I'm excited for you to get to know Ginger today. Let's get to it with Ginger Sprouse. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Ginger Sprouse today. Hi, Ginger.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm
0: wonderful. How are you? Great. Where am I speaking to you from today?
1: I am in Spicewood, Texas.
0: Oh, awesome. Where's Spicewood?
1: (laughs) That's about 45 minutes outside of
0: Austin. Okay, awesome. I love Austin. I have a son named Austin, and my, my my grandparents went to UT, and so they think I named my son after the place where they fell in love. So I just say, uh-huh, yeah, yes. that's it. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> Go with it. Oh, well, I am so excited to be able to connect with you. I have been reading your incredible book, Kind of Like Grace, Ginger. Your story, your story. And I'm sure when you were living it, you would have like wanted to trade places with anybody else's story at the time. And you're just like, let this end with a perfect bow at the end, right? But the fact that you're able to share in a way that can validate other people's experiences, the way... It has so many different chapters and seasons where it's like you couldn't have seen the next thing coming, but there was so much goodness ahead. You just had to hang on and keep going and and stay open-handed. I mean, it's just such a testament to what's possible um, in your life. So thank you. Thank you for sharing the story.
1: Oh, well, it was hard. And sometimes my husband, after I finished it, I didn't let him read it while I was working on it. And when I finished, he said, are you sure? And yeah. I said, yes. I, you know, I feel like it would be helpful. So, yeah, yeah. we're glad it's finished. <laughs> yeah. Have
0: you heard of the book If You Only Knew by Jamie Ivey?
1: I have heard of that. I haven't read it yet.
0: She's an Austin person. Um, she has a great podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. And she wrote a book called If You Only Knew. And the basis is if you only knew all the crap and all the baggage and all the stuff that I'm really all about or that has been a part of my life then you would never trust me as a pastor's wife. You would never want to be my friend. You would never all these things. But by going first, you're able to really liberate that no matter what is in your past, no matter what is even in your present and and happening right this second, no matter what you're dealing with, there's hope and there's redemption and everyone has something, don't they? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. I know. People always say, oh, you seem so perfect. And so now I'm able to go just read the book and then get back with me and see if you still want to be my friend. Yes. Because
0: <laughs> this most recent chapter, you're like, you are an angel. And I know you hate that. We're going to talk about that. But there's a lot that's gotten you to this point. Um, and no doubt it's equipped you to to take the steps that you have most recently. So, for people that don't know you yet, Ginger, will you give a little background on yourself and your motherhood and in that season of your life?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I um, I grew up in church and I had a family that was very close to us that had eight children. They homeschooled all of them. They lived on a farm. They, they, you know, the, the mom was always there. The dad worked from home and I, and you know, the kids would, they had a band and they sang together and they played together and chased the animals and built tree houses. And I was like, that's what I want, you know? And so, um, That's pretty much how my kids uh, spent their early childhood was uh, we were on a farm and we had animals and a milk cow and and I homeschooled and, uh, you know, lots of adventures and those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, our faith was very important to us and and being together as a family. And so, you know, that that was how I started out my young married life for, um, you know, gosh, for the first 10 years.
0: And did you ever feel like you were doing those things because it's how you thought you should be doing them? Or were you genuinely happy in that season doing those things?
1: Well, I think, you know, anytime you have children and you're a mom, I know that you fully appreciate it while you're in that season because it's hard when you have little kids, you know, and you think, oh gosh, if only if I, when they can dress themselves, when they could get themselves in the car, when they could, you know, so we're always looking forward to getting past those things, but I think in that time I did enjoy it, and I did try to savor it, and, and to put work aside and say, you want to, let's make mud pies today. That That's what we're going to do, and, and try to savor those moments, and of course, looking back, you always wish you had, you know, done more of those kinds of things, but I think I did enjoy it at that time.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, right? You're so busy in the thick of it, too, that sometimes you're not super self-reflective of like, am I doing enough to care for my own soul and my own self? And am I just pouring out, pouring out from an empty well? Am I building up any type of resentment? How is my marriage? Like, there's so many different things that you're so in the process of doing that if you don't create that space for yourself to reflect like, okay, let's do a little check-in. It can kind of start to take a turn without you really realizing how far off course you eventually get. Is that kind of what you experienced? It
1: is. And you know, as a, as a young mother it, and having never had children before or experienced those things, you don't know, yeah. you don't know that you need to check in. You, you think your marriage is fine. And, and of course we don't have a lot of time together, but someday we will when the kids are gone and And, you know, all of those kind of things, I think a lot of times as moms, we lose that piece. You know, you feel like you lose yourself a lot of times. And, um, you know, I just went really far off the rails. Uh, You know, thankfully, uh, thankfully, uh, there's many, you know, wonderful groups that people can get involved in and say, hey, let's do a little self-check and spend some time with your husband and do a date night and all those kinds of things that I didn't do. I was completely absorbed in this image of, you know, the perfect mom, the perfect house, the perfect kids, the perfect wife, you know, I mean, oh my goodness, it was, it was, um, you know, you can only sustain it for a certain period of time.
0: Yeah, I I hear that. I hear that. And I want people to read the book. And so we don't need to go into all the details of kind of what transpired next, because you really do lay it all out there in this book so, so bravely. But what I do want to have you speak to is you thought ahead of time about what you thought would be the fulfillment. You thought that maybe looking outside of your marriage was going to provide something that you were looking for. I thought that was really interesting how you thought about it before there was even a situation that presented itself that you could act upon or not, things like that. And I think sometimes we do that without realizing it, and it just really speaks to the power of the thoughts that we think. Uh, can you speak to that in terms of what you have learned about thinking the right kind of thoughts and being in the right mindset so that you are able to kind of stay in control of your life mm-hmm. in a positive way?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of that has to do with the culture that we live in says look inside yourself. You're going to find your fulfillment. You'll find your your true identity. All that look inside well, you know, the Bible says that, that, uh, that inside the self is not, uh, not a good place mm. <laughs> that, that we're all broken on the inside. And so looking to a broken place is never going to lead to something good. And, um, it, it was that focus on myself that allowed me to say that doing something wrong, um, you know, looking outside of my marriage was okay, that, Uh, that people said, well, you just want to be happy and, you know, you need something for yourself and all of these things that we hear that sound really good because that's what we want to hear. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've learned that you don't look to someone to tell you what you want to hear. I look to the scripture. I look to God and say, what do you want me to hear? And then I line up my thought processes along that and I find life is much easier <laughs> when, when I'm not looking inside myself because I, there's nothing good in there.
0: <laughs> mm, I love that. I love that. And I also think... That when you are seeking true wisdom from God and the spirit can really speak to you within you. And I think it really pulls out what you know to be true when you're seeking to be connected with God. And so, but there is that kind of wrestling that happens. You can't just rely on whatever's inside that feels good. Because there's a lot of selfishness that lies within all of us. Um, That's just our carnal nature. But when you can kind of wrap yourself in, in the spirit and, and seek wisdom, not just from within yourself, but yourself connected to God. And, and that, that's where the real truth lies. And so to kind of, you know, move forward with, with your story, your marriage did end up ending. How old were your kids when things kind of fell apart?
1: Yeah. My kids were six and eight.
0: And I think my daughter was
1: eight. Yeah.
0: And I think people listening might be like, oh my gosh, that could never happen to me. I bet you thought that could never happen to
1: you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I would never in a million years. And I even remember I had this one scene that stuck in my head and it will never go away is my little boy coming home from Sunday school and saying, Mom, such and so's parents, they're getting a divorce. What does that mean? And I kind of explained it to him. And he goes, is that going to happen to you and Daddy? And I said, that would never happen. I would never never leave your daddy. I would never leave you. I mean, I was so sure in myself that I would never do such a thing. Mm. And, and so here I sit, you know, these years later, and that's such a, it's a, such a painful thing. And my son, he's uh, 19 now and he'll say, mom, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. That's, that's (sighs) a, that's a hard
0: one. That's a hard one. And we've all been there in different situations where we have assured our child something that really none of us are immune from anything. And I think that's a great life lesson for kids to realize you can absolutely make this choice, whatever choice you want, but there's going to be consequences that come with it, right? And so realizing no matter how faithful you are, no matter what you believe, no matter where you live, no matter how great or not great for that matter, your marriage is like nobody's immune to anything. And so after your marriage ended and, and again, you go through all this in the book so, so beautifully can you go back to that time like what you woke up in the morning each day and thought what did you get what you wanted
1: out of all of that no, no. I got nothing that I wanted it was it was awful yeah. and I think just the tremendous guilt that I carried because I knew how I thought I knew how destructive it was going to be to my children I had no idea I had no idea, mm. I had no idea. Um, you know, I thought that everything would be, oh, we just need to get past this rough patch and it'll be okay. And I kept telling myself that. And then day by day, I would see, you know, the hurt of my children, the anger of my soon to be ex-husband, um, the destruction, you know, for my mom and dad, his parents, the whole extended family, my church family, my friends, and, and You know, and, and I didn't get anything I wanted out of it. Thank you, Lord, that I did not, Hmm. Um, that he did not allow me, that he just shut that door in my face and said, no, you're going to sit right where you put yourself and, uh, you know, experience the consequences, like you said. Hmm. So what I tell people all the time, I said, just so you know, that you may think that you're going to get away with something, you know, and I would kind of go, okay, I'm waiting for the waiting for the hammer to fall but, um, you will always experience. I still to this day, you know, um, 10 years later is still experiencing the consequences with my children and my ex-husband. Mm. Uh, yeah. So much destruction.
0: Yeah. But we know that forgiveness is full and all encom- and all encompassing and everything like that. And so we're, how quickly were you able to start? to kind of start to rebuild and what did those first steps look like so that you, once you realized, okay, I'm sitting in the consequences, but I also know there's still life to, to be lived. So how do you live among the consequences and believing that there's hope that it won't always be exactly like this, as bad as it is right this second, but also realizing there's lifelong consequences?
1: Yeah. You know, that was really a, a journey to, I would say, to faith. And I tell people that I knew God. I knew of him. I, I could quote you all the Bible verses and all of those kinds of things. I had this really wonderful head knowledge, but I didn't have a relationship. So you can be very book savvy and still not know the Lord. And so I, I tell people I love the part of my story. It wasn't a sermon. It wasn't a podcast. It wasn't a book that I read. It was just in the quiet, in the night, in the dark. Just the spirit saying, yeah, you've done the wrong thing, but I still love you and I can redeem this and trust me. And so I told people I got up one morning, I put my Bible on the table and I said, I have never been faithful to read it. I, 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 it's boring to me. I don't understand it. It's hard, but I promise I will meet you here every morning and listen to what you have to say, but you're going to have to make me get it. Hmm. and uh god has been faithful to that and so uh when i made that commitment um that's when the transformation began and and continues and and always will hopefully um just that it's it's not all at once he dumps everything on you and fixes everything um it is he takes your brokenness he redeems. He, it's beauty for ashes. That's what every time something good happens, I say, this is just another piece of beauty out of the brokenness of my past.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is so, so beautiful. And I have been in those seasons where you want it to go faster. You want the healing to come faster. You want the results to come faster. You want more glimpses of God's hand working to create bigger results. So, so when the results were small, and it was just as simple as meeting God at the table each morning. How did the small things sustain you? Or were there big things too that helped? Like how did you keep going? Because I'm sure what there's no there's no switch. There's no switch. So for people that are in, in the messy middle where they're trying to, to re energize every day to keep going. Regardless of what the yeah. situation is. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what i learned um it wasn't so much god hurry up and move as it was everyday saying what's the other piece that i can die to myself
0: mm-hmm. my
1: want to hurry up my um uh, my want for things to be different my want for this relationship i'll give you an example um my ex-husband and, you know it, and so many people who are divorced will relate to this is uh every holiday i want the kids on this day i i, I need them by this time i do. And so I, I was already remarried by this time. This is probably five years later. And my now new husband said to me, we can't live like this. You're a mess. You're you're constantly, you know, upset and you're fraught. And you're all of these things. And that was another piece of my dying to myself and say, I trust you with this. And And so what I did is I said, I'm going to lay it down. And so every time he said, I want, I said, okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. You want him on Christmas Day? Okay. You want him on, the, okay. Oh, you need me to write you a check? Okay. And I did. And when I began to lay it down and say, Lord, my will aside, my want aside, my control aside, then God started to move. And once I figured that out, that I would lay things down and I got to see God move, then I got really excited about seeing him do things. And so then I started looking at every area of my life. Like, okay, well, how can I step back? How can I let you lead? And once I saw the power of God and saw how he would do that, when I got out of the way, oh, then I was like, oh, I'm all in. I'm all in.
0: That was awesome. (laughs) Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in really quick and thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Precious. Okay, I want you to be honest. How many pictures are on your camera roll on your phone right now? Okay, and now when's the last time you did anything with any of those pictures? I'm guilty too. Every time I scroll through my phone, I tell myself, I'm going to do something with all these pictures, and it just piles up, piles up, and then I get stuck. Well today's the day to do something about it, because I discovered an amazing new app called Precious. Precious is the perfect way to scan your photo library and the best pictures of your baby into this app, and they automatically make monthly milestone collages, a slideshow to show your baby's growth over time and so much more. The other thing that's cool is they also offer thousands of cute art options with to make out of your memories. They're beautiful, easy to create, and Precious really does do it all for you, and it makes it so easy. The cool thing is that because they're doing it all automatically for you, if you have a gift, like let's say you need a gift for your grandparents or your parents or Mother's Day is coming up or something, you already have all these pre-made gifts you just need to select from, order it, and you're done, right? Who doesn't want a gift of one of your cute baby's pictures? I mean, come on. You can subscribe to the premium version of Baby Art Unlimited for watermark-free photos and get unlimited access to the app's full creative library of 5,000 stickers, frames, and creative tools. Literally, if you're creative, this is the app for you. If you're not creative, this is the app for you. You can create heart-melting monthly milestone photos today with Precious. Go to Precious App dot com slash EMP and start your free three day trial to baby art unlimited. That's precious app.com slash EMP for your free three day trial of baby art unlimited. Don't let your cute baby pictures just sit on your phone any longer. Do something with them, organize them and let precious help you out. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it. But really it comes down to simply showing up and being present and, approaching life with humility of like, what's next for me? What's next for me? Because we say we want that. But so many times our schedule does not allow for that. <laughs> and our and our to-dos don't allow for that, right? But creating that space, I love that so, so much. And surely that season equipped you to step out into doing uncomfortable things, to take risks and to be willing to see what God is able to do with what he asks of you. And so the main story in this book is is not even all about that background. It is about a simple conversation you had with a homeless man on a street corner. And there's so many of us that can probably say that they've already driven by somebody standing on a street corner and it may be the same person week after week, month after month, and they try not to make eye contact. I know that I do at times. Sometimes I lock my doors. Sometimes I, you know, like we've all been there. What made you stop and talk to this person that you too had had thoughts about before, had driven by again and again? What made you stop on that certain day?
1: Well, I had been praying for this particular person for a long time because he looked scary. And so, yes, I did. I always rolled up my windows. I locked the door. I tried to not be in the lane next to him. And um, it was just, I always tell people, the Holy Spirit, it says that it's a still small voice. But sometimes he's so loud. And he was, says, you know, you have got to stop. You've got to stop. And I would keep driving. And it was finally on that day, I, I, I slammed my hand down on the steering wheel. And I said, fine, I will stop, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, it, was, it was one of those giving in moments to the Lord. And, um, and so, yeah, I did. I made the decision to stop. And my life has never been the same.
0: Yeah, so his name is Victor, and you stopped, and what did you even say? <laughs>
1: I know, that's what's so, fat. what do you say to a homeless person? I roll down my window, it's like, how you doing? <laughs> I, it was just, it was so, I felt so ridiculous, and he, he sticks out his hand and shakes my hand, you know, like we're meeting at a restaurant or, or something, and yeah. he's filthy and he smelled so bad and really long fingernails and his hand was sticky and he says hi i'm victor how are you doing i mean just it was so surreal
0: probably not moment. what you were expecting like a nice polite response right wow
1: i don't know he looked kind of crazy i i thought i didn't know what he was i thought he was gonna rob me i don't i don't really know i i just <laughs> You know, it was one of those spur of the moments, okay, I'll stop. And I didn't really take the time to think it through because I probably wouldn't have stopped again.
0: Yeah. And are you saying any of us should just stop and talk to every homeless person on the corner? Like, what, what's your message then, like, at this stage? like.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's a really bad idea. Okay, yeah. Um, and I was actually involved in uh, homeless ministry. And the, um, the lady that uh, I worked with a lot, you know, she kept telling me, do not stop and talk to people. Do not put people in your car. And so, um, you know, I would tell people don't stop. It's really more about what does the Lord want you to do? And um, I think that's definitely, you know, a question we can all ask.
0: Okay, yeah. So it's not just about stopping to stop. It's really about being responsive to the Spirit. And you had that prompting that day. And that really was the beginning of of a bigger mission and bigger relationship with Victor. So after that initial exchange what did you do, do next? Cause you kind of got that inkling. Maybe he's a person that's supposed to be in my life. Maybe I'm supposed to do something. How did you know what to do? How do you even know? So what, tell me about that. I
1: know I had no idea. I had never dealt with a homeless person in any kind of close relationship before. I had never, certainly never dealt with anybody with any kind of mental illness before. Uh, and you know, he was 34 years old. It wasn't like he was a child. Mm-hmm. And so, um, calling, um, you know, the police and, and the county mental health authorities. And, uh, and so then I ended up making a Facebook page to ask people in the community because it was an upscale community. And I knew that, uh, surely there was a doctor or a lawyer or somebody who knew better than me driving by there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, really reached out to my community and said, what can we do together? Yeah, And of course, my husband, you know, I had to get the okay from him because and he says, yeah, that, that really doesn't surprise me uh, <laughs> that you stopped, you know, so yeah.
0: Yeah, and so once you started finding these resources for them, a lot of what we hear is that the homeless population don't want help. Like they're choosing that life. They're like, there are resources, but they need to accept them, things like that. So how do you help bridge that gap? Between finding the resources and then actually getting Victor enrolled in anything or involved or fed or, or things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the difference was, and I mean, it just depends. You know, we can't lump all the homeless people any more than we can lump all the moms together or all the Christians together yep. or whoever. Amen. <laughs> um, and so it's an individual thing, right? And so um, he did want help. Mm. And he could not help himself. He did not have the wherewithal. Um, but you know, I've done ministry with many people that say, I'm just fine where I am. I'll come here, meet you for a sandwich. We'll do Bible study. And then I'm going back to the corner, uh, with my, with my bucket of change. Mm. And, uh, I've just learned to respect people where they are because God's always in the process. And, uh, you know, and I told Victor all along the way, I'm not going to make you, if, if there's something that we're trying to do and you're not going to participate, then you need to let me know. And I'll respect you for that. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I think that was helpful that I didn't try to impose what I wanted for him on him. And and he still reminds me of that today. <laughs>
0: yeah. Absolutely. So so providing him with options and resources but I mean even if he went and and got one meal or things like that if if they're not ultimately motivated to do it for themselves it's not going to stick anyway. So just yeah, keeping keeping that in mind I think is is really critical. So how did you continue that relationship with him? So you made the calls. You started interacting with him more. When did he become more an integral part of your life? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I sat with him for probably six months. I would go get a cup of coffee and just go hang out with him. And we got to know each other. Mm. Uh, It wasn't like I put him in the car and took him home that day I met him. And I always tell people that. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I had a very good idea of of who he was and what he wanted and all of those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it was getting towards winter and we were just concerned about him continuing to be outside because he did not want to go to a hotel. He didn't want to leave where he was. He was waiting for his mom. She had told him to wait there in his in his delusional state that he kind of lived in. uh, He said, you know, so I have to be here. And uh, finally, I just put my foot down one day and I said, I am not going to sit here with you all winter. Mm. And so my husband gave me the okay and we brought him home and let him sleep on an air mattress on the floor of our living room thinking we'll get him into a shelter, we'll find housing. You know, uh, little did we know at that time, good thing, uh, that uh, there, there's not anything in that area for someone like him. Mm. So there's lots of places for families uh, for women and children, uh, but not single men.
0: Mm. Wow. And so, yeah. so what did you do? Cause you knew that he couldn't just keep sleeping on your air mattress, not progressing right in his own journey. So how did you start to believe in a brighter future for him and how, ha- and how did that go?
1: I don't even know if it was, we were believing in a brighter future. We just kept always thinking, surely we're going to find the place for him. Mm. And and you know, over the course of many months we started going, Oh, well, it doesn't look like there is that kind of place. Wow. <laughs> oh, we'll just keep looking. And so, you know, eventually we moved him off the air mattress into my office and uh fixed him up a bedroom and uh graciously someone in the community gave him a job, uh, wiping tables at a at a burger joint and uh he started taking medicine and going to therapy and and we were excited to see once he was medicated, once he was going to therapy, how he really started, he started to make more sense when he talked and he was able to go, oh, I need to take a shower every day and brush my teeth and, and um, oh, I need to sleep regular hours and be up during the day and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And it, it, it was fascinating to me, but exciting to both of us to get to see him kind of start to come back into his mind and to be able to function and to be able to think a little more clearly and, uh, you know, and so here to this day, you know, almost three years later, we still say, you know, uh, what's next for him.
0: Mm, I love that. And what kinds of changes did you see in him? Like, did he really start to believe in himself? Was he aware of all the, the progress that he was making? And what did, what was it like for him to, to get a job where he could feel like he was really contributing?
1: Yeah, well, that was the interesting thing was, um, you know, I we had sat him down at the beginning here and we said, here's what you need to understand. We're going to help you, but you're going to have to help us help you. Mm. And that means you're going to need to work and we'll help you find a job and we'll make sure that you get there every day and uh, you have to take your medicine. That is uh, definitely um, something, you know, you have to commit to doing. And if you don't, then you're going to not be able to stay here. And uh, he's always been very respectful of that. And uh, he did. He got a. We got him a job, and we took him to work and picked him up every day. It was just four hours, uh, three days a week initially. And uh, and you could see when he would get his paycheck, he would go, "Oh, I, I you know, I want to, I want to. Can I go to McDonald's to buy a hamburger? Or, you know, <laughs> or I would take him shopping, and he could buy himself a shirt and." it was just, he had no confidence at all. And um, just to see kind of that confidence grow. And I would say, yes, you can do that. And um, we're going to help you and we are not going to leave you. And, uh, you know, that verse always kept going through my mind. Well, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And I started telling him that. And I said, in the same way, the Lord will never leave us. We are never going to leave you. I commit that to you no matter what, until I'm dead, if I have you. Mm. And so, um, You know, it it was a trusting experience for him because he's always been abandoned. And, um, you know, I just said, you know, you've seen the way that I act with my kids. You see that they're welcome here. You see that when they do something wrong, that they get in trouble. I said, just think of yourself. You're like one of the kids here. Hmm. And uh, even though he was my biggest kid. And uh, and that made a difference for him. Just um, walking beside him, you know, through that difficult stuff.
0: Yeah. And how did what you experienced in the past and what you had learned from your previous experiences, how did that really prepare you and shape the perspective that you had when it came to really extending yourself to somebody else and, and being there for somebody else, providing that security and, and not looking elsewhere for validation? You know, things like that. Like how did, how did that testimony of, of the past really help you to to do what you've done with victor
1: you know what it was it was the kindness of god to me um he was so gracious despite my sin and all the things that i had done he forgave me i love him so much that it makes me want to serve others and do for others like he did for me you know he I'd always think about it he gave me such a picture you know he came along and scraped me up off the sidewalk in the gigantic mess that I was in and has walked with me and provided for me and said I won't leave you I'm going to be there for you I'll I'll walk with you till the day you're gone you know and it just for for me it was such a tangible picture of what the Lord had done for me and that he was allowing me to walk beside someone else in a really um in a way that I could experience his grace in a whole different way to see him provide for someone else. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, all of those things. And even, you know, he taught me about not being selfish because we've given up a lot to have Victor, you know, in my old life, I would not have done that. I was so wrapped up in my family, my kids, my home, my, my uh, persona, my, uh, you know, what I look like to everyone else. And now it's not about me anymore. It's about somebody else. And um, it's just that whole humility and dying to yourself over and over again that um, he reminds me. And uh, it's it's been a, a time of tremendous spiritual growth, you know, when when you look for the Lord and all of those things.
0: Hey, I wanted to jump in one last time and thank our final show sponsor, and that is Vistaprint. So, when I started my podcast, like I've said before, I knew I wanted business cards and I wanted to do it affordably. I wanted it to be quick and easy. I'm not a creative type person. And Vistaprint really came through. Actually, I'd been ordering from Vistaprint for years. I love their stationery, I love their different promotional products, things like that. I'd order pens and the mouse pads and things like that. And really, Vistaprint ordering business cards from them made me feel like I could be professional and give that professional impression. Whenever I went to conferences and things like that, I passed them out at alt and felt so good about it. So Vistaprint is so easy because you can create your own professional unique cards in minutes. All you do is upload your own design or use one of their templates, which is what I did. I picked the paper stock, the style, the quantity, choose my delivery speed, and it was on my doorstep in as little as three days. I think Mine was like five days because I didn't want to pay extra shipping. <laughs> they are so amazing and have so many options to choose from. Your satisfaction was, is 100% guaranteed or they'll make it right. And so you have nothing to lose. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at just $9.99. Go to vistaprint.com slash EMP That's vistaprint.com slash EMP, vistaprint.com slash EMP for those 500 cards for $9.99. Thanks to Vistaprint for sponsoring the show. Now let's finish up with Ginger. So what I love about this story is it's not just about saving Victor. It's really an evolution of who you were meant to become. It's about becoming you becoming more of who you were meant to be through this experience. And we all have different circumstances in our lives, and our lives can look very, very different. But when you really get down to the root of why we do anything we do in life, it all comes back to who we're becoming, and hopefully it's more and more like our savior every day, right? And this is just a vehicle for that, that you were willing – to respond to that prompting and, and look, look at this, like, look at all of this. And so how, how's Victor today? What is he doing? And what would you tell somebody that, you know, maybe sees, and it could be a mom at the park that just is alone and looks like, oh, she's not here with anybody. I'm going to step outside my comfort zone and say hi maybe it's you see a need in a family a mom has a child special needs and you can step in and say can I push your cart to the car I see you know you're having a hard time like how how can we step outside our comfort zone to show up for other people in that same way you showed up for Victor
1: well see and that's the whole thing and that's what I love it's because we have our face out of our phone and before we leave the house go okay Lord I'm going to the grocery store I have my four kids Everybody only has one shoe on. My daughter forgot to wear her underpants. You know, I, my hair is in a ponytail. I look terrible. And you're still leaving the house going, how can I serve you? Mm. And, and that's the whole thing. I mean, I was in Walmart the other day, and I was in, a, I was in the line to return something, and I could just see the checker, issue she was frazzled. She was tired. People were irritable. And just being able to get to the front of the line and go, have you had a hard day? Mm-hmm. And, and to see her kind of go like this and say, I hope it gets better for you. I'm so sorry. And, you know, what's your name? Can I sit, just say a prayer for you just for two seconds while you're checking me out? You know, and those kinds of things are what the Lord calls us to. It doesn't have to be picking somebody up and changing their life. That was an extraordinary circumstance that, that the Lord did that he allowed me to participate in. But it opened my eyes to the fact that there's a whole world of hurting people around me and quit looking inside people look up look out mm-hmm. and and when you ask the Lord to give you those circumstances he will but what excites me about it is you're not doing good for somebody else you're blessing God mm. but, but oh my gosh what I get out of it the fact that I could walk away from the lady at Walmart oh, God, thank you Lord for letting me be your hands and feet you know, if God sent his son here and he watched all the disciples feet, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm. And when you start doing that and you make it a lifestyle, it is exciting to see what the Lord does, you know, and he says to whom much is given, much is required. We have beautiful families and we have all of these kinds of things. And, and, you know, to reach out to hurting people around us, it's, it's like, it's the best thing ever. I just, I, I can't get over how good God is.
0: Yeah. And it really is as simple as is validating the experience of the checker. I love complimenting the people in the checkout lines, you know, at Chick-fil-A and being like, wow, you have a great announcer's voice. Oh, these sound great over the megaphone. Like my kids think it is so funny how I literally like find the most random things to compliment people on. But it's like they're doing their best work and it's like, it just it doesn't take that much energy or that much time or definitely money or anything like that like what resource do you have to give and it's as simple as a compliment it really and truly is cuz if you're thinking it already all it takes is it like pouring out of you to to be something to them don't just keep it within within you
1: I know and take the time to notice because, you know, it's hard when you have uh, kids hanging off you and and you're tired and, you know, you just want to get something to eat and get in the car. And the thing about it is our children see those things. Yeah.
0: Oh, they do. Our children
1: see those things. Well, and now my kids,
0: you know, if we're pulling through the drive, they're like, oh, that guy was like so nice and cheerful when he took our order. Like, and, and, and even if I didn't, you know, that time recognize that in that individual, they're looking for it now. And I'm like, hurrah! Like, I didn't even mean to do that example for my kids, right? <laughs> no. And it's just such a wonderful way to live. It just really uh-huh. is. It's so much more joyful. So, so I'm curious now, yeah. how old are your children now?
1: My daughter is 21 and my son is 19.
0: And how is your relationship with them now? Because... I bet there were times where you thought this is beyond repair, right? And I bet that there are parents listening who have a situation in their life where they think whatever it is is beyond repair. How's your relationship with them now, and how have you been able to achieve the growth that you have?
1: Well, oh, gosh. Just, you know, I have two, two different kids like they always are. My daughter was the one that's the tough nut to crack, and my son was the one who wanted to talk about everything mm. and to death until I was sick of talking about it, and then we would talk some more. Um, but you know, uh, it was really the healing that has come in our relationship was me sitting them down and saying, I messed up, you know, I confessed my sins to them at the age that they were in an appropriate manner, but Mm -hmm. you know, I messed up, uh, leaving your family is not okay. I devastated your dad. I am so sorry that I hurt him that I hurt you, that I hurt our families. Um, it was the wrong thing to do. And, and I've said that many times to my children. And then and then when they would get angry with me, just saying, I understand that you're angry with me, and I'm so sorry. I can't fix it. I cannot fix it. And um, I do have a wonderful relationship with both of my kids. And you know, I had to go through periods of times where they wouldn't didn't want to talk to me. And so every night I would text them and say, I love you. Good night. Yeah. It just, I just consistently, even if they didn't answer me for a month, I would still do it and not get my feelings hurt or yeah. me not get angry. Uh, cause it's so easy to do when someone doesn't accept your, you know, we think we apologize and someone should welcome us with the open arms and, uh, it doesn't work that way. And sometimes they may never let it go. Um, But even uh, in my relationship with my ex-husband, you know, uh, for so long, thankfully, we didn't fight over the kids once I laid it down. But going to him and just saying, I am sorry, I was wrong. And it was sinful. And it was, um, you know, I, I wish I could fix it and take the pain away and put your life back together and all of those kinds of things. And it's absolutely owning up. And that was part of the reason I wrote the book was to teach my children and for other people to see that you have to accept responsibility for sin mm. and that is what it is you know we can call it we can give a mistake an error or whatever it is sin and um once we accept responsibility and repent and turn away from it and say it is it is dead to me then we can move forward in life and um I don't have to you know my mother struggled so much with saying to me, "Well, I just don't understand. You just don't seem like you're sorry for what you did. You know, you don't walk around with your head hanging down. And Why do you talk about it?" And I said, "Cause that's the thing, Mom. I'm forgiven, <laughs> but I don't have to swill around in it and beat myself over the head with it because it is past. Mm. And I go forward in service to Christ out of gratitude for what He's done to me, and uh, that's what I want." People know is that we don't have to live defeated for the rest of our lives. We serve a risen savior and those things are dead and gone. Um, but, but I, I don't ever
0: want to go back. Yeah, that is, that is a tremendous realization and in realizing and giving people space for the journey that they're on and acknowledging that is their journey and they need to be allowed to, to process how they're gonna process and be as close or as far from you during that processing as they need to be for them. And and you can do your part all you want. You'd, you sent the text without obligation that you're gonna get something in return, right? And I think when we can really let go of the expectation of somebody else to respond in a certain way, that's when a lot of freedom comes in our life. And you can do the things that you know are within your control that you need to do for you to live a happy fulfilled faithful life and whatever anybody else however anybody else responds like that is on them and you know praying that you would have good relationships again but relying on God's timing for that that's who it's hard to do but you're evidence that it's that it's possible that that reconciliation is possible so the the book again is kind of like grace and I can't even imagine the process of writing something so hard and heavy and going backwards. But I hope that you found a lot of catharsis in processing through it and realizing it's going to free up so many people who have buried the shame of maybe similar transgressions or, you know, just validate the the ups and downs of all the feelings that come from from a story like this. But uh, wow, Ginger, you're just amazing. And I'm just so grateful that you took the time to come on the podcast today.
1: It was a pleasure you quickly because we i, I didn't say it yeah. but victor is living in his own house 100 percent paying his own bills and working a full-time job
0: come so on come I, on
1: grandmama. i know right
0: yes you should be yeah. oh i hope everybody picks up the book it is and i was talking to my kids about it it's definitely not a, a book for children but i was talking to them about victor and about the role that you played in his life and you know, I talk to my kids a lot about finding the kid at lunchtime that's alone or introducing yourself to the new kid or, you know, finding the child with special needs that may not interact in the same way that is is easy and acceptable to most kids on the playground, but bringing them into the fold. And in the same way that you did that for Victor, they can do that in their own context. And so this book has given me a lot of great thinking points to have conversations with my kids about about stepping out in faith and and being the hands and feet of God, really. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I love being able to talk about it.
0: Absolutely. I always ask my guests just one final question. It's the mission of this whole podcast. I don't have perfect people on the podcast. I have extraordinary people who are just showing up, doing the things that they are divinely and uniquely equipped to do. And in the same way that you've done this, In your own life other people are doing that every day in theirs and i just want to validate their stories and i think when we believe that we have unique gifts and talents we can really use them so much more intentionally so i want to know from you ginger what do you think is something that makes you extraordinary
1: extraordinary god I ever want to look at oh, myself will you start say again? You ca- sorry. Will
0: you, will you will you start that answer again? It kind of cut out for a sec. Okay.
1: Oh, okay. I would just have to say that I serve an extraordinary savior. And uh that's the best part of me is mm-hmm. him. So, I don't ever want to look at myself and say I have anything good again. Um, mm-hmm. that pride is a is a is a no-go for me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, and just I think it makes you extraordinary that you acknowledge that right? Like a lot of people don't acknowledge that that is available to any of us, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, at any time in our lives. And I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful gift. So thank you so much, Ginger, for coming on the show. Where can people find the book? Where can people find you online?
1: Yeah. Well, um, if they want to look at Victor's story, they can look on Facebook at this is Victor. He has a page and, uh, the book is available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And uh, then there's also a Kind of Like Grace uh, website where people can uh, talk to me or contact me.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much, Ginger. It's been a pleasure to chat with you.
1: Uh You too. Thanks so much.
0: I hope you got a lot out of that interview. Man, Ginger's story is so incredible. And I love how she was able to really turn her life around she admits that she made some really poor decisions that led to, to some really serious consequences that she is still continuing to deal with and just warning anyone against that grass is greener mentality i mean we know that the grass is not always greener we know that you know other people you know don't have perfect lives and just if because we're unhappy or we're feeling discontent or something in our own lives doesn't mean that You have to, you know, flip a 180 to to make something beautiful of what you have right in front of you. Looking really seriously at the consequences that come from some of those actions, it can feel hopeless, but Ginger is such a testament to the fact that it's never too late. There's never you know, a reason to stop hoping and it's just really powerful and to see what she's done with Victor. It's amazing. So I hope you will check out her book, Kind of Like Grace. I have everything linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. You can follow me at Jessica Dalquist 3 on Instagram or over on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm so, so glad to be back with you recording these episodes. I have some incredible guests coming up in the month of September and October and Uh, it's just been so fun to be back in the saddle after summertime recording these, and I'm grateful for you and your support. So if you like what you hear, please, will you share the show? Will you leave a review on iTunes? It means so much to me and really helps new people to find the show. So thanks again for tuning in today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.